Hey everybody, St. Paul Peterson here. Welcome to episode 41 of Music on the Run. Guitarist, child prodigy, bad dude, Quinn Sullivan is next on Music on the Run. Before we get started here, do me a favor. Wherever you got this podcast, make sure you subscribe, give us a rating, and if you have time and like what you're hearing, make sure you write a review. It really helps us get the word out so we can have a lot more people coming to the party. Hey everybody, I'm St. Paul Peterson. Prince gave me that nickname, and I've been lucky enough to tour with people like the Steve Miller Band, Kenny Loggins, Peter Frampton, Donnie Osmond, to name a few. And when I'm not playing music, I love to run. And this is a podcast about how we stay healthy on the road, physically, mentally, and with our families. Welcome to Music on the Run. Hey everybody, St. Paul Peterson here, and welcome to episode 41 of Music on the Run. It is a 10 in Minnesota right now. This is why we wait you know, those 10 months of winter for the two months that we get of summer. And it is glorious outside. Been running, having a ball, having pool parties, barbecues, you name it. We're having a lot of fun. Had uh, some really fun guests over, some great musicians over uh, the past weekend. And it's just been an absolute blast. But let's get right into it. Oh, wait. No, let's not. For those of you who are watching this, I got a, a special shirt on from Newt Pepe, which was a store that uh, we music store that we used to have here back in the god is that this the 80s and 90s and of course they sent me one of these because i spent a few dollars there so shout out to dave and anybody uh, who sent me this shirt i appreciate you and i appreciated that store so much that was a, a really fun time and you know i missed those days those were really fun all right so let's get into it my next guest is an incredible musician a solo artist who is considered a child prodigy uh, and you'll you'll figure out why once you go check him out. Uh, he shared the stage with Carlos Santana and Buddy Guy, just to name a few. I met Quinn when we were recording his latest record out in California, uh, produced by uh, someone you're familiar with. It was one of my dear friends, Oliver Lieber, who's not only been interviewed on the show, has been on countless Funk Fridays. He's released four solo records so far, and he also has appeared on the Funk Friday series. Please welcome Quinn Sullivan. What's up, Quinn? Thank you for Paul, joining us. Thank you so much, man. It's always great to see your face, and thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. You know, it's so great to uh, to have know that your record is out now. I know I mean, you, you sat on that. You you didn't sit on that. COVID sat on that for months man, and months and months. We, oh my God, we waited. I feel like we waited so so long for that, and it's finally out for everybody to hear. So I'm just I'm so excited to finally have the music out for everybody. Tell yeah. me what the momentum is. How does that feel? I mean, it's got to be feel pretty incredible. It feels really really good. You know, we've been getting quite the response so far from different reviews around the country, and and you know, I, I'm really happy with the response the album's gotten so far. I was. I was a little bit like, you know, how are people going to react to this new music? Because, you know, I have such a history in one genre, which is the blues, you know? So right. it was like, mm -hmm. I, I wanted to step out on this one and really attack some different genres and some different, and, you know, show people some different sides of me as an artist, you know, because I'm just a huge music fan in general. I love all different types of music. So I wanted this album to kind of showcase the other sides of me. So I was kind of going, okay, well, how are people going to react to this? And, you know, they ended up um, so far, it's been really good. So I'm, I'm really happy with it. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk a lot more about the record a little bit later in the show. But I mean, what does it feel like? I mean, did, they call you a child prodigy. You don't know you're a child prodigy when you're in the middle of it. Do you look back on yourself going, God, I really did play the guitar guitar when i was whatever were you three when you started I, playing i was three years old yeah i mean for, for, as, for as long as i could remember my my um my family was was always huge music fans you know growing up i was surrounded by music you know my parents would play me various records around the house from the beatles to the rolling stones to the almond brothers bands the grateful dead the dire straits santana all this different music that i was hearing in my house and they were just exposing me to this music not really knowing that I would ever pick up a guitar or not, but just for the, the sole matter of just them being huge music lovers. And so I guess that I suppose that seeped into my playing as I, you know, began to play guitar. Um, they actually gave me 
um, for one Christmas, I think my third Christmas, they gave me a little, uh, f- uh, this company called First Act. And um, not sure if they're still a company now, but they, make, they made these really good quality um, kid guitars. And so he, my parents, you know, bought me this guitar and um, I, you know, then now I have a guitar in my hand. So now I'm playing to these albums instead of just listening. I was, you know, actually playing and not really playing chords or anything, but just strumming along around the house, just being a kid. And I think, you know, when I was around five years old, I started to get more serious into it. And they started to, um, you know, take me to lessons once a week. And I would, you know, go to my guitar teacher and say, hey, I want to, I want to learn this song or I want to learn that. And I remember the first song that I actually learned how to play was Blackbird by the Beatles. And uh, well, wait a minute. Uh, or a first song was Blackbird. I can barely play that now, let alone <laughs> play it when you're yeah. five years old. That- yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it was funny because the first few lessons were just simple. Like, you know, here's how to play a G chord. Here's how to play a D, you know, all the simple chords. And then, you know, when I started to get that, then I then I had gone okay. Let me let me see if I can do this. And so I brought it to my teacher. He taught it to me. I I you know I I played it. I mean you know every day for hours on end for probably two or three weeks, and then went back and was able to kind of play it. But um yeah, man, it was just um I I didn't really think I I, I didn't think in terms of you know I can't do this or this is too hard. Um I just thought of it as I really love this song and I want to learn how to play it. You know. It's unbelievable. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, that kid, man. That is, your parents saw that talent in you right away. They I cultivated think so. that, it sounds like. I think they did, yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know if they knew that I was going to do this for a job or as a, as a career. <laughs> <laughs> but I well, mean, I think... cute? He'll grow out of it, honey. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I, um, I guess I, I always just loved it, and I always remember it being... Of, of you know a big part of my life and something that I always really love to do and you know a lot of people over the years have said oh, well do you, have, you know did your parents force it on you or did they force you to practice and all that stuff and I, every time I just say no I mean they they were just if you want to do it pick it up if you don't that's cool and it was always sort of my choice to to pick it up and and do it so um, for as long as I can remember that's that's what I was doing as a kid. So did your parents become stage parents at that point? He's wonderful. Get him on stage. Get out there. Hurry. Well, kind of not, not, not that way, but you know, kind of, sort of, I mean, you know, well, they um, were proud, right? They were, they proud were so proud. They were so right. proud. Cause I, I used to play a lot of shows with like local musicians. I actually used to play cause my dad is a drummer. So we used to do like local shows uh. together and, you know, play around town and we would go play these, these Beatles shows. These, they'd have these like Beatles tribute nights at these different clubs around my area. And, um, you know, they would be like John Lennon night, George Harrison night. And I would go and play Beatles songs because I was a huge, huge Beatles fan. You know, that was my bread and butter growing up was just listening to that music. So I was just like playing these songs to, to you know, older people in the crowd or whatever and, and just doing my thing. And about a year after that, I was, you know, this is like six, seven years old now. Um, my dad had actually hit up the Ellen show. because They found out that she wanted... She was interested in having kids come on and play for her. So we actually sent her a couple of videos or or producer. I kind of forget how we got her email, but, um, or the producer's email, but yeah, I mean, we just, we sent some stuff out to them and, and, um, you know, lo and behold, we got a message back and and they, they flew me out and I was on the show at six years old and, and, uh, playing for her. And it was just, I mean, mind boggling at that age to to be able to do that. You know, I, I don't think I really fully understood the magnitude of that until maybe 15, 16, looking back okay. at it going, wow, that, that was, you know, obviously um, un, un, an unbelievable opportunity at that age. Um, but she ended up giving me a guitar, a Gibson 335, and I still have that guitar. And, you know, so a lot of these things were, were happening at a young age. So it was, it was very, you know, it was just, a, it was a crazy, it was a crazy time to, to be a kid because I was doing all this, you know, stuff that, Everybody was kind of going, how, did, how is he doing this, you know? Most kids are worried about, you know, playing ball or going to the playground or whatever the case may be. Right. And you're sitting here playing Beatles songs or, or those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Did you, um, I suppose that when you're, when you're that age, it really doesn't strike you as anything different. It's just something that you enjoyed at that point. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I, I didn't, and, and like I said, I didn't really consider it to be any sort of um, 
you know, abnormal thing because it was just something that I knew how to do and something that I was doing all the time. And, you know, I did realize that other kids were doing different things than I was, but I, I, I didn't really, I guess I, I, um, I guess I just didn't care. I was just like, you know, this is what I love and this is what I'm happy doing. And I feel my happiest when I'm playing guitar and when I'm making music. So, I mean, you know, I just happened to get in, in, in into it at a very young age, you know? So, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's just all seems, it all seems supernatural to me. Did you, uh, speaking of supernatural, that's what, exactly what it is. You have a supernatural talent, man, because you are, you're an old soul in a young man's body from the time you were born to, I mean, up till I met you. And of course, uh, that is the utmost compliment. Thank you. Uh, man. Do you take it that way? I, you know, I, I, th I appreciate that. I mean, I, you know, I think I attribute that to uh, my two parents for just showing me really great music because I, I could have easily fallen into the trap of just listening to what kids were listening to at that point. You know, this Barney. Is yeah. Soloing over Barney and SpongeBob and yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Which I was watching by the way. I was, well, I that's was definitely, good. I was I definitely so. watching all that stuff as a kid and very, you know, you know, majority of my whole childhood was very normal. I went to normal school as a kid. I, I did the whole public school thing and I, you know, Never, um, never once did my parents ever want me to live a, uh, you know, this fantasy life that, that only exists, you know, somewhere far away. I mean, it was just very, very normal. The only thing that wasn't normal was that I was able to play guitar at an early age and I was, you know, on national TV, all, obviously, and, you know, right. that stuff was happening. And this is also when YouTube was starting to become sort of a thing, too. So uh, that, that video actually racked up quite a bit of views and it got a few million hits on it. And I remember... Um, you know, people just becoming interested just, just for that purpose of, wow, he's got this many views online and, you know, he's this young kid playing guitar. And so, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, um, it was, it was a crazy, it was, like I said, it was just a crazy, a crazy time. Yeah. It's just natural ability. And you were just doing what you thought you wanted to be doing. And, and it is natural. That's it. You were playing because you wanted to play. So yeah. I need you to. Walk me through your parents taking you to see Buddy Guy for the first time. Absolutely. Yeah. So it was actually, um, we found out that Buddy was coming to a theater about 15 minutes from my house called the Zyterian Theater. And, um, you know, I, I had first seen Buddy Guy on um, a video or a DVD um, called Eric Clapton's Crossroads Guitar Festival, which is, you know, if anybody doesn't know what that is, it's a festival that Eric Clapton puts on every four to five years and, and he has all these guitar players come and play and I think this one was the one they did in Dallas in 2004 and I just remember watching that and seeing Buddy on stage and you know seeing him walk out and just being totally like blown away by not only his guitar playing but just his stage mannerisms and I just feel I felt like he just had total control of the entire stage like every guitar player was looking at him and I was just I don't know as a kid I was just kind of blown away at that and never really seen anybody do that so as soon as we found out he was playing um you know 15 minutes from my house i was like dad we have to go you know we have to go see this guy play and so we got to go and and we bought tickets and we were hanging out at the show and we knew some people at the theater that worked there so they were able to get us backstage which was really cool and um we went backstage and there he was you know he was he was sitting i'll always remember this he had um like a like an American flag long sleeve shirt on and he had the hat and just the, the, the gold jewelry, the watch, you know, the whole thing. And I just remember seeing this man and just being like totally eight year old kid shy, you know, probably said two words to him at that time, you know, and didn't really know what to say. Um, but he asked me, I, I brought my little uh, Squire Fender Strat with me for him to sign and he signed it for me. And, you know, I played him a few licks on the guitar and cause he wanted to see if I could play. He's like, who is this? Who's this eight-year-old kid coming to my dressing Check room? Check him out. Know? Right. And um, so I did. And apparently he was impressed with that. And, um, you know, later that night, he called me on stage. And he literally, right from the crowd, I went on stage. I was sitting in maybe the 10th row. And he called me up. And um, I played the last half an hour of the show with him. And, it, you know, and it was, it was so full circle for me because I, it was my hometown. And, you know, a lot of people had known me probably at that show. And, um, it was just a highlight and you know, like at eight years old, you never know what events will change your life forever. But you know, that night totally 
changed my entire life. I mean, musical life, you know, for sure. I mean, forever. I mean, you know, from that, I was, for the next 10 years of my life, I was, I was literally, you know, going from just playing locally to playing all over the world and, and, you know, being able to tour with Buddy and he's brought me all over the world and all of this stuff. And, um, you know, so I, I owe so much to, to Buddy Guy for, for all of his support and, and, you know, the, the mentor that he, the mentorship that he has given me, you know, the last 10 years, you know. So you moved from playing Beatles songs into playing the blues with Buddy Guy. That's a pretty big jump. Yeah. And I heard you play the blues and, and it is authentic. Uh, it's, again, natural for you. It Was that somewhat of a conscious switch for you to go into that kind of thing? Or was that just something he introduced you to and showed you the ways he mentored you through that? Explain to me how you made that switch into playing more of the blues for at least, you know, that period of your life. Well, I mean, I think it was just, I think I just um, naturally just did it because I was now being exposed to all of this blues music through Buddy Guy. He would turn me on to different records and different artists, you know, that I had never heard of before. I mean, I, I didn't know who Muddy Waters was. I didn't know who like Holland Wolf was and uh, Sonny Boy Williamson or Johnny Hooker, any of those guys um, until I met Buddy. I mean, he... He would tell me stories. I mean, I like to say, like, whenever you're around Buddy or whenever I've had the privilege of being around him, it's always, to me, like going into, like, a, a college history class, you know, because it's like every single time you're in his presence, he always has a different story to tell. And I got to say, every I've been around Buddy, you know, so many times, and he's never repeated himself as far as the stories. I mean, he always has a different, cool, interesting story every day. And, it, and it's almost like... It almost fits into like any any part of my life. Like he had the stories when I was twelve that he would say, and then as I got as I got older, the stories would get more graphic. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So by like seventeen, eighteen, he was telling me the real stories. Uh, yeah, um, he didn't you know, sugarcoat it anymore. Absolutely, man. Oh. And uh, you know, so uh, yeah, so I I thank Buddy for for introducing me to blues, and I I think that was the reason why. You know, that music just grabbed me, I think, you know, because I wasn't listening to it really as a kid um, right. or getting into it. Like I said, it was the Beatles. But then as I've realized as a as a 22 year old now, I mean, the Beatles were influenced directly from blues as well. So it's like it True. all it's all to me. It, it, the cool thing about blues is it all goes back to that. You know, all to me, all great music stems from the blues. So. Um, so, yeah, it was just one of those things. It was a natural progression. And I just. You know, I started listening to it a lot more and getting more into it. And um, yeah, absolutely. I'm curious about going on the road at that age. How does one do that? I mean, you're, when were, how old were you when you went on the road with Buddy? First, uh, first tour was, I think I was nine years old, actually. So yeah. wait a minute. So, <laughs> do you have to take the whole entourage, the whole family? How does that work exactly? <laughs> Um, well, my dad would travel with me. He actually still travels with me to this day. We, he, you know, he works with me a lot now. So, um, but yeah, it was just me and him. My mom would stay home and she had a day job, so she'd work and stuff and she'd come out to local shows, but she wouldn't travel with us. It would just be my dad and myself. And we went out. It was, uh, it was so cool because Buddy and his whole crew, they just opened me to their world. You know what I mean? They didn't, there was no like you got to do this and this to get into this club that we're in. You know, it was right. like very open arms and I, I'm, you know, super, I, you know, I feel super grateful for that because I, I know a lot of times that's not necessarily the case, especially for young people to get into this business. You know, sometimes, mm. you know, there's a lot of odd people in this industry that try to <laughs> really in and do all that stuff. And I learned that later on in life, but, um, you know, when I was nine, 10, I mean, like I definitely was, uh, being exposed obviously to larger audiences because buddy was playing for, 1500 to 2000 people a night at that time. So it was a whirlwind experience, you know, but I guess as a kid, I wasn't necessarily thinking too hard about it. I was just doing it. And I think right. I was just, it was just like, oh, we got these shows. Cool. Let's go do them. And oh, oh we're invited to this. Cool. Let's go do it. And um, obviously I knew it was cool, but I, I didn't necessarily um, realize it fully until I was much older. So did you have to bring your schoolwork? on the road with you because you said that you remained in yeah. your regular schools back in mass. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I did, you know, look when I went, it didn't really, um, it didn't really come into effect really until probably middle school, high school, um, especially high school, middle school was easy to get around and, 
do some book report assignments and, you know, call it a day. But I think once I got to high school, things obviously get harder and more challenging. So yeah, I mean, I was lucky enough that a lot of the people that or the, a lot of the teachers that I had were also ended up becoming fans. <laughs> so it was, it was easy to, to, right. you know, not get, I wouldn't say I got by without doing stuff. They, they would definitely hold me accountable, but, um, definitely more like, okay, do this, this, and this, if you get this done, you'll be okay. You know? So I would, and, but I was always a good student, you know, I always got A's and B's occasional C's, you know, like I, I was pretty, I was pretty good student. So, um, I guess I didn't have much difficulty uh, with that, you know, with that part of it, as some kids may do, may be doing, you know. So yeah, it was definitely one of those things for me that was it was it seemed easy, but um, I'm sure, you know, as I think about it now, I'm sure there were challenging parts of it. But um, I I got through high school and I, I graduated with my class, so I'm I'm proud of that. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Do you feel like you missed out on any part of just being a kid, or was it just completely? exactly what you should have been doing and you didn't miss a thing. I think it's the, the second thing you said. Yeah, I think it's exactly what I should have been doing um, because, you know, when I came home from all of these trips and all of these touring experiences, I was just a kid. You know, I was just a normal eight-year-old, 16-year-old, 17-year-old. Like, I was just a normal kid coming back and going to school. And I was very lucky to also have very close friends that didn't think of me any differently from what I was doing. They kept me grounded. You know, they just considered Good. me to be a normal kid like everybody else. I'm, you know, I'm, you know, you know, you run into those, those people that they, they think you're this big shot or whatever, but I, I never really thought of myself as that. And I always sort of kept, uh, not to keep my head down in high school, but I definitely was, was someone that didn't love the attention drawn to me, you know, as, it. unless it was on a stage somewhere. I don't want anybody to crowd around me and ask me stuff when I'm just trying to be a normal kid. I kept a low profile in high school, but, um, you know, like I said, there was definitely those couple kids that, Oh my God, you're the kid that was on Ellen or you're the kid that right. does that. Um, but yeah, I definitely think it was, um, it, it didn't feel like I missed out on anything necessarily because I lived a normal life, uh, uh you know, when I got home. So it was, um, it was, it was easy for me to manage. And I, I, you know, I also, I thank my parents for that too, because they never let me get ahead of myself or let me become a become a dick <laughs> or anything like that well, because absolutely. they didn't want me to be like that having a strong family i think is what it's all about i mean i, I worked with another childhood star donny osmond and right he is um you know there's a lot of people who don't turn out well after going through being a child star yeah so many have, have and probably a greater percentage have ended up um in trouble right. so i think what separates you know those Kids from you and someone like Donnie is the the family, the strength of your family, strength of your other influences and people you're surrounding yourself with. So yeah. good on you that you were able to keep that together. I mean, because it's easy <laughs> to go, I'm a guitar player and I'm singing and I'm playing in front of two thousand people and I'm pretty hot shit right now. Right, you know? right, 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 right. Yeah, but you know, I think also I had always I've always been like this and I've always thought. I've been a very forward thinker always, and I've never been like, um, I guess like, you know, satisfied with anything. I've always want to reach more and do more. So I was, I've been like that since I was, you know, 14, 15. So I think that's just, that's just the mindset that I have. And I just always want to be doing more and getting, you know, whatever. So I think doing anything, I wasn't like, oh, I'm the, I'm the shit. Like, cause I'm doing this, you know, like I just, I'm always just like, all right, well, there's, there's another step. There's always another thing to learn, another person to hear, you know, another person to listen to. So um, I just try to keep my ears open, you know? Right. You've played so many of the venues that all musicians want to play. Yeah. Madison Square, Montreux Jazz Festival. It's just, uh, it's unbelievable. Was that also when you were a teenager? It was, yeah. We're going to take a little break from the interview right now because I want to tell you about a couple of really cool things. First of all, we're having so much fun with our weekly one-minute funk jams called Funk Friday. We've had so many world-class musicians on Funk Friday, including members of the Steve Miller Band, Fleetwood Mac, Daryl Hall and John Oates, Earth, Wind & Fire, just to name a few. You can check that out on all of our social media, but you can also see it on our YouTube channel. 
I also want to take this opportunity to thank all of our members who have supported us on Patreon. Don't know what Patreon is? Go to www.patreon.com forward slash music on the run podcast and there you'll get all sorts of information on how you can financially help us produce this podcast there are all kinds of incentives listed there on the website and there are many different levels on how you can become involved we could not put on this podcast without our patrons all right let's get back to the interview So many of the venues that all musicians want to play. Yeah. Madison Square, Montreux Jazz Festival. It's just, uh, it's unbelievable. Was that also when you were a teenager? It was, yeah. I mean, the first God. time I played the Montreux Festival, I was 12, you know, and this was a crazy, <laughs> cr- crazy lineup, man. It was, it was Van Morrison, and then I played, don't ask me why I was, why I was playing after Van Morrison, but I, wow. they, they fit me into that somehow, and... I was playing a half an hour set with Buddy's band backing me, which was awesome. And then Buddy came on headline and I sat in with Buddy. So that was my first experience with Montreux playing that festival. And obviously it's one of my favorite, favorite festivals in the whole world to be able to play. It's just a beautiful area and, you know, the people are so nice. Um, And yeah, the Hollywood Bowl, I think the first time was um, the Playboy Jazz Festival with, um, with like Buddy Guy and the Roots and all these different people were playing and, so yeah, I've just I've gotten to play a lot of interesting venues over the years. Yeah, you explained that Buddy Guy had such a great impact on you. Not only his band, you know, brought you into the family, but his producers and his managers as well. Didn't you end up working with Buddy's producer for a couple of records of your early records? Yes, I did. Yeah, Tom Hambridge is his name, and he, um, yeah, I mean, Tom was was incredible musical partner that I've that I've came you know that I ran into through Buddy and um you know we we still remain friends to this day I mean he's a really uh strong great person and you know great drummer and also a great songwriter producer so he helped me craft the first couple of records and um you know it really um showed me you know I was somewhat of a band leader as well too on the road because he would play drums with me a lot of the time when I would be on the road playing with Buddy Ah, or doing in my own shows, he would be playing drums with me. So it was very, um, you know, I learned so much from him being on stage with him. He showed me a lot of different uh, approaches to, you know, just being a band leader and, and just a really good role model in that sense. So I learned a lot from Tom. Yeah. He must have shown you what it's like to, what the difference is between being on stage and playing in the studio as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Because it's two different things, you know, Explain being a, that to my listeners who may not be as, you know, they may be more into running and fitness than they are into, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, being a musician. Well, I mean, you know, the studio life is completely different from the live life. I mean, you know, obviously when you're playing live, you have one shot really to do it well. And sometimes you don't do it well. You know what I mean? We all have off nights. But I mean, the studio is beautiful in the sense that you get to do things over and over again. But at the same time, you know there's something to be said for that one shot, one kind of deal thing where it's like, you're just playing live and you're just giving it your all. And, and, you know, obviously you have people watching you. So it's, it's different. It's a different, you know, you have different things in your head when you're playing live than you would when you're recording in the studio. I mean, that's just coming from my personal experience, but, but yeah, you know, I, 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 I guess I, I like both for different reasons. You know, I really had a lot of fun with this newer out al- newest album that just came out because, you know, obviously, being around guys like Oliver and, and you and, and um, you know, uh, we had Abe Laboreal Jr. playing on a couple of songs. I mean, you know, being around these kinds of guys, I mean, it's just to me, it's like I'm just like a student learning from all these people, you know, because you it's were just... a sponge. I'll give you that. That was fun to watch. You were uh, like, oh, this is Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it was so, so cool, you know, and um, I, I, you know, I enjoyed it a lot. I enjoyed the process a lot, and it was the first time that I really co-wrote every song on the album, which was really fun to do. And uh, obviously a big uh, milestone for me as a songwriter. So, you know. Well, now um, you got something to talk about. You're what, 22 now? 22. Yeah. Ooh, you're getting old, man. (laughs) I know. I'm I'm pushing (laughs) up, man. I'm pushing up. (laughs) (laughs) You're catching up to all of us. Oh my God. Yeah. It is true though. You, you got to have some life experience before you really know what you want to talk about. And that, do you feel that, 
you're able to to guide the direction of your artistry now that you're the age you are. You you have your own direction rather than someone going, I'm going to write this for you because I think this is where you should have been. I'm, I'm assuming that's kind of what happened to the previous records. Yeah. But now you're taking some control of the direction. That's got to feel kind of good to you. It's got to, it, yeah. I mean, it feels, it feels very, very liberating. I mean, you know, I had a couple of songs that I, you know, had, I helped write, but nothing, nothing as much as I did with this newest one. Because, you know, like you said, I mean, you need to experience life to even figure out what mm-hmm. artist you want to be, you know, because at 14, I had no idea what I wanted to be and what I wanted to say. I mean, like, you know, I was just, you know, lucky enough for all the opportunities that I was getting along the way through, through Buddy Guy and people like that. But, you know, as far as what does Quinn Sullivan want to be doing, I, had, I really didn't know. So I, I had to figure, you know, that was between like 18 and now just figuring out what I wanted to say, what I wanted to be, what do I want to sound like. And, you know, I think through making this new album, I was able to navigate that a lot more and figure that out and, and, you know, really think about and reflect on what I wanted to say. And, you know, you know, because I I love the blues, but I I knew that I didn't want to stop there. You know, I knew that I wanted to do other things and reach, reach other goals that I had in mind, you know, for musically. So, um, I think through this album, you know, and through the help of course of Oliver, I mean, he really helped me do that, you know, and, and find myself a little bit more. Were you nervous when that you were would be accused of abandoning your core audience? Were did that even cross your mind, or were you like, "Nah, they're coming"? I'm not worried about <laughs> it definitely, that. Definitely not. I definitely did. You know, there was a lot of um, uh, points of me going, "Well, is this the right thing I should be doing? I don't want to be, you know, you know, alienating people that have been around for 10, 15 years." But I think as an artist, I think the thing that I've learned the most is you have to you have to grow and you have to do, I mean, if you're not happy doing something that you're doing, then no one else will be happy. I think you have to be the one that's really happy and, and satisfied with the music that you're making. And I, I just felt this is naturally just, this is where I want to go. And this is really what I want to take this music, you know? And um, yeah, so I, I think I did think about it a little bit, but you know, I think the people that really love you will stick by you. And the people that, you know, love you because you're only doing this. I mean, that's, you know, if they leave that, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the thing that most people don't realize is that it's called the music business and you being a young man, I'm sure were put into situations that you were like, what is going on here? Uh, how did you navigate the business aspect of the music business? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, unfortunately, management can really make things weird sometimes, you know, and, and other people that are the surrounding people around what you're doing. And I think I definitely ran into some of that at 18, 19 and just being, you know, around people that weren't necessarily my best interest, you know, and, you know, I had to learn what feels right and what doesn't feel right. And I think music, music in itself is about feeling and expression. We all know that, but the music business is a completely different uh, monster, <laughs> yes. and it can be really, it be really difficult to get around and navigate yourself through. Um, and also, simultaneously, I'm also now. Uh, this is 18 years old. Just turned 18. I'm now not a prodigy. I'm not a kid. I'm an adult. Right. And now you're now you're you know you're faced with all of these different people, and you know you're no longer that kid anymore. So people aren't. Uh, affiliating you with that that's you know that side of side of things you know what i mean they're they're now Mm -hmm. you're now an adult you're now um amongst all of the other people that are trying to make it in this music world you know so that was the thing that i i didn't necessarily think about until i was that age and i went oh wow i need to what do i i gotta i gotta figure myself out what do i you know how am i gonna be different from the other thousand guitar players out there you know they're trying to do the same thing that i'm trying to do so yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of that and a lot of um, growing, you know, and a lot of learning, you know, and I'm still, I'm still learning about it. You know, I don't think I, I don't think anybody really masters it. It's like, you just always, you're always learning something new about it every day. I feel like. You surrounded yourself on this new record with a great mentor slash producer slash co-writer. We've been talking about this whole time by the name of Oliver Lieber, who's a dear friend of mine for 40 years. He actually did the same for me when I was 
21, 22. We wrote, we were both kids though at that time, writing together, yeah. figuring out the business, being, going through the same changes and weird things that you had to deal with now that you're the age you are. But he, with all that knowledge behind him, you chose wisely in my estimation, because I think that he was the perfect person for you to pair with because he can draw things out of you. That's what a producer does, by the way, th- those of you who are listening. A producer's job is not only to make a great quality record, but it's how you make that record. How do you make the artist uh, and set them up for uh, the, the the road they should be on? Uh, yeah. We talk a little bit about uh, who are who are you as an artist? Who am I as an artist? That's one of the toughest things I think for any musician or artist to figure out is who am I? I have these influences. I have Buddy Guy. I have Muddy Waters. I have Eric Clapton. I have these different people, but who is Quinn Sullivan? Who is St. Paul Peterson? Oliver, I think at the age you were at when you met him, did one hell of a job of, of, of pointing him in a new, but not totally new direction. Yeah. Tell me about your relationship with Oliver. Sure. Yeah. I mean, Oliver, I mean, he's, he's a so, ta- he's so talented and so um, really just so great at doing that. And I first met Oliver in 2018 um, and the record comp- my record company actually set me up for a writing session with him. And I flew out to California, to his house, and we met for the first time. And I think immediately we just started talking about music and started talking about our influences and you know, sort of getting to know each other in that way. And um, I played him some stuff that I had been writing for a little while and some voice memos on my phone. And um, you know, he played me some stuff as well. And we ended up writing a song that day um, called She's Gone that ended up uh-huh. being on the, on the album, obviously. And, um, and that was the first song that we wrote. And I think I just immediately knew from the first day working with him, I was just like, this guy knows what he's doing. <laughs> this yeah. guy is cool. And he comes from a really good musical background, and he comes from a he comes from a very soulful place that I was trying to get to, you know. And I I didn't really think I had gotten there yet on the last couple of records that I was doing. So I, I knew from working with him based on his influence and based on the way he works, I knew that I was going to get somewhere deeper on this album, you know. So um, I thank him so much for that, and um, you know. And yeah, I mean, we just, we, we would do that. You know, I would fly out every few months, you know, I would be on the road touring and stuff. And then I would come back to LA to write more. And, um, you know, through those writing sessions, we had developed 12 songs, 13, 14 songs and, um, you know, knew that we had an album, you know? And, uh, so I asked him if he wanted to produce the album. And and of course he said, yeah. And, and we took it from there and we have this, uh, this beautiful new album out now. And and it's really, it's, it's, um, Definitely changed my life, so. I can't wait to see you uh, play these songs live on the road, and we'll get to that, too. But speaking of the road, so last year, you didn't get to do that. You've been on the road since you were nine years old. How did you handle (laughs) not being able to be on the road last year? What did you do? Give me an example of what you did last. The first few months were awesome. The first few months, I was like, all right, I'm going to sit back and relax. I've worked on this record for about a year. I'm just going to hang out, enjoy the glories. <laughs> and then like right. after three months, I was like, man, like I need to do something that music related. Cause I, it's just like, like I'm, I need to, I need to do that. I need to fulfill whatever I'm doing because you know, like you said, I, I was so used to this, this like schedule of touring every year and summers were always stacked of shows and, you know, mm. I was always doing that. So I think having that time off, I was, definitely a bit scared i was like when is this going to come back and you know what am i going to do with myself and so i found i found other things to do you know i I hung out with friends that i haven't seen in a while and i rekindled some old friendships that i haven't talked to in years and stuff so you know i used the time to kind of just be around family and be around friends you know when we could you know once of course once i got vaccinated it became a lot easier to do those things but you know like uh, yeah it was just it was just a I, I gotta admit it was just a weird year. You know, it was a weird, yeah. weird year of of uh pretty pretty much not knowing what was gonna be next. And I've always known what was gonna be next. Like I've always known, okay, next month I'm gonna be here and doing this. Yeah. And now it's like, well, now I don't know what I'm gonna be doing in two months. So yeah, it was definitely frightening, but I, I, I got used to it and I got, you know, accustomed to the the, the home life. <laughs> yeah. And just being home and 
I guess the silver lining in the whole thing is it, it sort of taught me, uh, you know, some things about myself that I didn't know. And, um, you know, I had a lot more time to think about things. And um, it was really nice for this this album because I was able to sit with these songs for a lot longer than I would have expected to. And Oliver and I discussed, We he always has this joke like, I could work on this album for 10 years if I had the, the opportunity to. <laughs> yes, he can. Because yeah. yes. as, as you know, and I know, he's a total perfectionist and, you know, which and that's one of the coolest things about him. And um, so, yeah, we had a lot of time, more time to do that and overdub stuff. And, you know, so that was that was nice. So it wasn't all the way bad, but it definitely right. obviously could have been better. But I'm looking I'm looking forward now. Yeah, it was a weird year for musicians in general. Everybody had to pivot and go, how do I make a living? Now? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm we're, we're older than you. You, you, you know, I, I am fine. I worry about your generation. Uh, and, and I did because my daughter's even a little bit older than you. I was like, how are you going to do that? As parents, we were concerned for you, you guys. Sure. So you, it looks like you made it through. All right, my friend. I did. I did. Luckily, I still live at home with my two parents. So I, ah, I was see, lucky no. enough. <laughs> I was lucky enough to not be worrying about my rent <laughs> for the Thank month. God, and that's that's so cool that you're still willing to do that. And I'm sure yeah. your parents are like, "Come on, let's hang out," because you ended up going on the road with your dad anyway. Absolutely, man. And you know, I, I'm blessed to have two very cool parents that are very very low key, and and they, you know, they definitely raised me correctly, but you know, uh, also didn't um, deprive me from anything as a kid. So I was very lucky to have their support. You know, obviously. You know what I think it is? I think it's the calm before the Quinn Sullivan storm. That's what I think it is. You've got. <laughs> I like that. You, yeah. Do you have dates on the book coming up? We have so, uh, we have a few actually. We have um, Telluride Blues and Brews Festival on nice. September 18th, which is in Colorado. And that's a great festival. It's actually my first time playing at that festival. So that should be really fun. I'm looking forward to that. Um, we have another festival that I'm playing in August 21st at a um, festival called Hike on the Mic, Hike to the Mic in uh, Connecticut. And we have a lot of other things happening and, and being confirmed right now. Just nothing's been announced yet. Um, yep. But we do have some stuff on the books, some stuff that we're getting ready to announce soon. So, yeah. Well, I want to talk to you a little bit about what you do when you're on the road. And we talked about when you were a kid, you had to do your schoolwork, hanging with your dad, but this show was called Music on the Run. And we, we like to talk about what you do when you're on the road to stay healthy. Do you have a certain regiment that you have when you're on the road? I try, to, I, I try to, I try to, I try to go for, I at least try to get 30 to 45 minutes of some sort of exercise every day. I think that's super important for, not only your body, but your head, you know, to make sure you're mentally staying good. Right. Um, you know, and what I do try you like to, to do, do that. Um, I like to just like, if, if we're at like a hotel, there's a gym, I like to go to the gym and, and just do some weight training and some, you know, some, some lightweight training. I'm not, I'm not Ar Arnold Schwarzenegger, but like, <laughs> <laughs> by no means am I that, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I like to do some treadmill stuff and, you know, uh, definitely try to try my best to eat well. Although as you, as we all know, as touring musicians, that can be super hard sometimes when you're in, I don't know, somewhere in Texas and you want to go get barbecue and it's yeah, like, well, sometimes you have to, when in Rome, as they say. Yeah. 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 So, but you know, uh, I'm not much of a drinker. I don't drink too much. I mean, I will occasionally drink when I'm at home with friends, but I, when I'm at, when I'm on the road, I, I pretty much, I like to stay totally sober and my, my heart and soul is into the show. So, right. Yeah. You said that, that, that helps you not only you physically, but it helps you mentally. I know that when you're on the road, especially if you are the star, you not only have bus trips. I mean, if those of you listening, if you don't know it, most of us travel on a bus. We get on a bus after the show, sleep in these little coffin things <laughs> called bunks, right? It's, right. Like, it's like you're at camp. Yeah. Then you get up the next day and, and the, the leader usually does interviews and then you have sound check and then you have the show and then you rinse and repeat. What does working out or, or getting down to the gym do for you mentally? I think it just keeps me, it keeps me grounded and it keeps me from going insane. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Because like, yeah. you know, it's like you can definitely run into like, you know, uh, just different situations and, and, you know, of course, like when you're playing live, there's so many things that can go wrong in a show. I mean, you know, there's a lot of 
things that happen during a during the course of a night whether if it's like you know i've actually i don't have like a sound engineer yet you know i'm sure i will as i continue doing this but you sometimes have to rely on the house sound engineer and sometimes that can be a little rough you know obviously but i mean we've done so many gigs now where it's like we kind of know i kind of know what the situation's going to be pretty much 10 to 15 minutes into loading you know what that's going to be so i think you know just getting that little bit of exercise and you know even some sort of just meditation before a show mm. for me just helps me to be just you know stay be grounded and be feel feel right you know cuz it's like you can't you can't really get too far gone in that in that world you know what i mean you really have to have balance in some ways so i i try to do that to just keep keep myself balanced and keep myself you know from you know just um just kind of trying to be level-headed through the whole thing you know smart let's talk a little bit more about the new record because again i i want to mention if you didn't hear the show earlier this is how i know quinn because oliver called me and said you want to help me with a record and i'm like of course he said (laughs) okay here and he would give me (laughs) files and i'd either be out at his place in la or i'd be here at my studio here in minneapolis we would trade tracks back and forth Ended up meeting Quinn. Um, I'm a fan, which is so fun, man. It's it's like, oh, God, I was just amazed at how great you are for the age you are. I mean, I know that sounds condescending. It's not meant to be at all. It just oh, feels man. like you're you're one of us with a lot of salt and pepper. You just Thanks. happen to be 22. <laughs> That's all. So please take well, that as a compliment. Thank you and so much, man. We no, had so absolutely. much fun working on that record. And tell me, now you released two singles or three singles now yes i mean yeah the two the two the three singles are um all around the world how many tears and in a world without you and um we released all around the world first because you know like we were just talking about how 2020 was such a weird year Mm. um so many things happened we all know what those were you know and um i think for me that song to me resonates right now and the meaning of the song the message of the song you know, Oliver and I, when we wrote the song, we were we were thinking a lot about social events happening, and we wrote this in 2019. So this wow. was like before everything happened, you know, with COVID. So it just to me, like as the year kind of went on, I was like, this is just to me resonating more than anything right now. So you know, I talked to my label and my team, and I said, hey guys, we really should put this out first because I think this song will really do some wonders in the world. You know, I think it really will. You know, especially, you know, with what was going on, I think it would just, um, it's just sending a positive note out to people, I think, in a time of such negative negativity, um, I think needed to be done. So we ended up doing that first, putting that out first. And I, the response to the song has been really good. And, um, you know, people have, you know, what I love about music is like certain songs are, are you know, for my opinion, from my standpoint, anyways, like certain songs can really have a a really great impact on people you know and can bring you back to a certain time in your life and can you know you kind of can put your own meaning on what a song means you know to you can kind of fit it to your life um so i feel like that song sort of did that with people and um yeah it was just um it just felt it felt like the most natural song to put out first yeah what's the latest single latest single is in a world without you okay and yeah, which you played on, which is amazing. And um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's another one that Oliver and I came up with. Um, it was like, it was actually, we had wrote, I think we had written another song that day and we were just like, kind of just was eight, nine o'clock in, in the night. We just started playing. I just started playing these chords and this groove and I had this, you know, this Santana thing in my head, you know, just this inspired thing from that, you know, I was kind of thinking to myself like, what would, what would Santana play over this or what would he say over this you know and i started playing these chords and um oliver said hey why don't you just start singing some melodies over this thing that you're playing so i did that and about a day later i think the next day we had wrote we had written the lyrics for the song and it came together very quickly and and it was and it ended up being one of my favorite songs on the album so um that's the newest single for for the new album yeah wide awake quinn sullivan go check it out wherever you Get your music. Go buy it. Do us all a favor and try to find a place to buy it, right? <laughs> right. Spotify, uh, Apple Music. Um, where are, are there are some other places that they can go to. Yeah, I mean, yeah, all the streaming platforms, Amazon Music. And um, I think 
the CD actually there was a delay because of COVID on the CD, so you can actually now um uh, uh, this this past Friday uh, you can actually now get the CD at a at a CD store. They still have those today. So did you did you <laughs> print any vinyl by any chance? We have the yes, the vinyl is available on. On my it. website, and Great, yes, I got to send you a copy of that. Yeah, Dude, I'll, make I'll sure buy you... it. I'm supporting you. Oh man, no, 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 absolutely. I'm, thank you, though. I appreciate that. Um, but yes, vinyl is here, and and you know, it's um, it's available, it's available everywhere. So yeah, go get it, guys. Is it quinsullivan.com? What's it's your Quinn, website? Uh, it's quinsullivanmusic.com. Quinsullivanmusic.com. Man, yes, what a pleasure to hang out with you today and learn just a little bit more about you and show you off and. To, to my listeners, uh, it's always good to reconnect with you, little bro. Yes, and we'll you play too, some my more man. music together. Yes, for sure, man. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Quinn Sullivan, everybody. This is it. Episode 41. We're done. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thanks for joining us. Music on the Run was hosted by yours truly, St. Paul Peterson. Edited and produced by my buddy, Davide Razzo. Artist Relations by Owen Sartori. Video editing by Tanner Montague. And a very special thanks to the people who financially support this podcast. And remember, stay grounded, everybody. <laughs>